2020, God exposed America with a bunch of viral particles, a plague. God flicked and we buckled. Our political leaders shut down their states in fear. Our pastors abdicated the church as non-essential. And we have been scattered by petty, tyrannical resolutions and edicts into our homes or hiding our shame with masks. Businesses have been shut down by arbitrary, non-essential labels. Strip clubs, pot shops, and abortion facilities remained open while churches were threatened, regulated, and fined. First Amendment rights were trampled on as we Christians were arrested by despotic, unprincipled local governments. Citizens were harassed by unelected health districts, and communities were threatened in their houses by cops. This sounds like a third world country, a bad dream, but it is not. It is the new America. This America is ruled by fear. This America is ruled by opportunistic politicians who don't give a damn about you. This America breeds a compliant citizenry that cares more about their strip clubs and DoorDash deliveries, that cares more about their safety and their comforts, than the truth that Jesus is King of Kings and that our freedoms are protected by the Constitution. This America is worse than King George III's America. It's time to take a stand, but to stand requires courage and courage requires repentance. What we need is reformation and revival in our churches, in our families, in our communities, in our businesses, and in our government. Every square inch needs the blood of Jesus. We need to cease this moment where all our sins, fears, and failures have been exposed by God through this plague and gather to sing psalms, to feast, and to get strengthened, to be encouraged, and equipped to lead America back to Jesus, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Governor after governor instituted some sort of shutdown, ignoring your constitutional rights. There was one governor, one state, that did not buckle and join the crowd of governors driven by fear. Governor Christine Nome has stood strong through this pandemic. And so we are bringing our first annual Fight, Laugh, Feast rally to Rapid City, South Dakota, April 29th through May 1st. Join us in the land of the free and the home of the brave as we learn to love God, sing songs, and defy tyrants. And Jared Longshore coming on. I'm excited about yeah. that. Oh, yep. Founders yep. and a comedian. On the same show. Comedian John Brady. Yeah. You're talking about, you're not talking about you? There's a joke coming in here somewhere. I was waiting for it. Yeah, well, I don't is got it. Make it I laugh? don't got it. Our comedian, comedian got it. Is he going to make us laugh? I hope so. He hates when people that? Do we, uh, Whenever you have a comedian on, you interview him. The first question you always ask him is, tell us a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Toby, Chalk Knox, I'm the Water Boy. It's good to be with you guys on the Sunday special. Thank you for yeah. tuning in. Uh, just a couple quick announcements. Uh, our rally, we're still accepting registrations all the way up to the door. It is going to uh, be and, so fun. We're, we're, we're almost close to the numbers that we had in Tennessee, which is crazy. Yeah, it's going to be a party. Yeah, it is. speaker lineup, though. I was going through it during the I news know. brief. It's amazing. I know. Yeah. I know. Wow. I'm so excited. I want to yeah. hear those talks. Yeah, yeah. I do. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> well, and it's crazy. We got Steve Dace coming out to speak at our conference, but it's like, it's kind of a moment for him. I know. It is. Like, his book is number one yeah. on several outlets. Amazon yeah. is number four on, like, USA Today. Like, these, wow. like, like these liberal wow. publications. Yeah, the, the, the Fauci, Fauci and Bargain. Bargain. Yep, yep. 
Yep. And wow. so he'll be out there. Actually, we'll have a table for him. Sign, yeah. sign some copies. Doing an after party with Darren Doan. Yeah. He's bringing music. We got music. Family style Sabbath dinner. And the comedian's going to be bringing the last Yeah. So Saturday night, we got a Sabbath dinner. And, yeah. and a, our comedian, John Branion, who is coming on our network, too. I'm so excited. He's dropping a podcast. We're getting the fight. We're getting the laugh. We're getting the feast. All coming yeah. together. It's because so, of our club members, though. So good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Our yeah. club members it, are making it yeah. happen. Thank you, guys. So, uh, so. I'm going to just give a shout out to some friends. Redeemer Community Church in Centennial, Colorado is looking for an associate pastor. Mm. Redeemer Community Church is a two-year-old church plant about 20 minutes south of Denver, mm. a city where the harvest is great and the laborers are few. And they That's talk real. about marijuana. And right? they're all really high. Mm. <laughs> um, Redeemer is a confessional and reformed church that is committed to glorifying God as they make disciples who joyfully submit to the Lordship of yeah. Christ over all of life. And yes, Knox... They do baptize their babies. Uh, baptize your kids if you have children. I was waiting to play that. If you are a pastor who loves the word of God, wants to help teach and preach the supremacy of King Jesus while Ooh. helping shepherd this young and growing church, send your resume and cover letter to info at redeemerdenver.org. Info at redeemerdenver.org. This is a full-time salaried position with benefits. Redeemer Community Church is redeemerdenver.org. The lead pastor there is Jeff Rodland. And their elders have come up and visited. Yeah. Yeah, I know those guys. Yeah. 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 I like those guys. They're good people. Yeah. And then we got the South Carolina Carolina? in the abortion. Carolina in abortion rally. (laughs) How do you like that? Was that that good? Was that good? No. It was was funny, though. Our our buddy, uh, Dennis Safarate, or Safarate, I always, always. (laughs) Sorry, Dennis. Sorry, Dennis. Your your last name hurts me, man. It It hurts us all, Gabe. Yeah, it does. They're doing an in- Abortion rally. They have a legislator backing this legislation All in right. South Carolina. All right. And they're doing an end abortion rally uh, Tuesday, May 4th. Uh, so coming up, yep. first first week in May, first week in May, right after the rally in South Dakota, yep. go to South go, Carolina. Go to South Carolina, right. ten a.m. to twelve p.m. at the South Carolina State House. So if you are in the area, yeah. join those brothers up at uh, up at the uh, uh, South Carolina State House for this end abortion so, rally. Is there a website? This is good stuff. It's in Columbia. There's an Eventbrite. Um, It'll be in our show notes. Link in the show notes. Oh, gotta have the app. End abortion in South Carolina. We're cheering right. for you. Amen. Do it, guys. Do it. We'll send out the uh, the event link so you can actually register to to, to attend so they Very just good. know how many people are going to be coming to that kind of mm. thing so we'll, we'll send that out as you guys know there's been a number of police um shootings and um yeah. in the last couple of weeks it seems yeah. like uh i mean there's one in ohio just yesterday uh, just this um friday yeah. or thursday of, of this past week um it's sunday night now and uh, there's been a, a number of ones. Uh, the biggest one that has come out is the Dante Wright shooting. That's one that, yeah. that's got the most the one in, attention. in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. We, I, I got two videos that I want to play you guys back to back. We're going to play one of the actual shooting of Dante Wright, but then kind of a follow up commentary on on what liberal media thinks we need to be doing. Yeah. And then and you know, then we'll, I just want to say, right, my yeah. wife still hasn't really seen this. Yeah, she really. doesn't want to. So yeah. if you don't yeah. want to see this, yeah, I understand be, you. You might not. Yeah, be yeah. careful. Just yeah, as you can see on the screen, content content warning here. Here we go. Oh, wow. Yeah! 
So she shot the guy. The guy um, drives off and, and wrecks like a block later. Okay. And, and, and he died. And he died. And he died. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, just a number of she points had, I just want to point out. Yeah. One is um, on the usually the cop has their gun on the dominant hip, and she pulled on dominant hip thinking it was her taser. That, that's, that's what she says. That's the narrative she of what's yeah. being said. Um, you have uh, he was pulled over for some sort of traffic original traffic violation. Yeah, they pulled him over because tags tab, or something. Yeah, tags yeah. tags were expired. expired tags were expired. Tags, yeah. uh, and then obviously the the kid uh, resisted arrest yep. and tried to flee the, flee the scene. Did you say well, something when we were talking about this about him ch- her changing hands or something like that? So if you watch the video, you see she has a piece of paper in her right hand. Yeah. Then the kid starts to kind of break free, and then she takes the. The piece of paper from her right hand to her left, left hand, hand, which means that to me it's like kind of more consciously like she's getting ready to draw her dominant her gun, right? Not not her taser. Her taser is going to be on the weak side. Weak side. Yeah. yeah which, and every, which you saw the cop in the other um, video. Uh, video. In the, the cop in the video had a taser, taser on the left yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll talk talk more of this, but let's go through this next next video here. I've been saying we need to abolish American policing as it currently exists. It doesn't work. And and we don't seem to have this sort of difficulty when we're talking about any other government agency. So, Nicole, you know, I I, I teach my class of Morgan State students before this. We were having this discussion with a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds. And I pointed out to them, I said, what's the graduation rate for high school kids in Baltimore? And the Baltimore graduation rate is only about 80 percent. People are always screaming, oh, my gosh, Baltimore public schools are terrible. They need to be taken over by the state. They need to be taken over by the government. Only 80 percent of these kids graduate. You know, the average homicides that are actually solved by police departments, only about 35%. You know the number of rapes and sexual assaults that are solved by police departments? You know, less than 60%. You know the percentage likelihood of being shot unarmed as a black person is like five times as likely than a white person? Policing doesn't work the way we're doing it right now. And if we have that level of endemic failure in any other government agency, every politician in America would say, not just reimagine, we need to tear this down to the studs and rebuild it. Mm. And anything less than that is is absolute gaslighting to the tears that this woman was expressing. I am tired of people saying this is a tragedy. We've known it was a tragedy. And no one's doing anything about it. And whether it's a mass shooting in a public school or another black man or another black woman. And, and I promise you, Nicole, because before this trial is over, I, I said this when the Derek Chauvin trial began. I was like, we're going to have another shooting before this trial is over. And we have one. If the trial goes another two weeks, we'll have another shooting. So we need to start thinking of a different way to approach policing. And if we don't have that conversation, then no one cares about crying tears and no one cares about blood in the streets because anything else is just window dressing. Mm. So, so is he arguing to abolish public schools also? If he's going to keep arguing this way, hey, let's abolish the police force because they're, you know, uh, homicides at 35 percent rate right. and all right. this stuff. Right. And well, graduation rates only 80 percent in Baltimore public schools. Yeah. yeah and he brought that up. Right. So are you, are you also for abolishing public schools Well, but, and, and your university that but, you're working at? But what I'm afraid that he's actually getting ready to propose is a nationalization of it all. Ooh, yeah, yeah, uh, of some yeah. sort. I, I don't know. I mean, like a lot of these pe- people are saying. That's I mean, what I was meaning when he says "we." What did he mean, "we"? Right, mm-hmm. right. Who's the "we"? I mean, what, Minnesota. What, the, the thing is, is no. The, someone's always got guns. Yeah, mm-hmm. someone's always got guns. <laughs> so, so like a bunch of these, <laughs> reach, reach a bunch of these people want to reimagine policing, and what they what they put at the local level is like 
souped up social workers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they're like, you know, community action, whatever's and, and there's some kind of like social programs. Right. But then what happens is you still have violent crime. You still have violent offenders. Right. And so you still have to have somebody you call in with guns. Well, who do you do? Who does that if Minneapolis abolished their police force? Right. Who does that if Portland abolished? The federal police. The federal police do. Mm-hmm. And so basically you end up with de facto some kind of- But they're of na- doing it right now anyway. Guess what? Guess, you know, the, basically- The National Guard. The National gets, Guard. Gets called in. My sister can't go get diapers. Because the National Guard's there. Where? Right now. In Brooklyn Center. Really? Oh, really? That's right. The National Guard is there. Yeah. But they're this, down there. because you have such because, a poor policing going that's on. That's exactly right. But you that's know, because they've been they've been sat on. Do you think so the the question I keep asking looking at this, do you think that we have a policing problem in America? Yeah, there's problems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, but I would say one of the most fundamental problems is is that we have um, set up a structure for policing where they're constantly going around and doing preventative, some sort of preventative type right. of policing. Right. And that preventative type, you know, we've got, talked about this on the show long before, many times, where there's a difference between preventative, uh, you know, f- forms of justice and punitive forms of justice. Right. And and but we've set up the cop structure is constantly dealing with all sorts of preventative actions. And which turns into escalated situations where people end up dying. Yeah. So should I don't think anybody should have. Well, first of all, I, I think inspired tags are a joke. It's a made up. You know, we yeah. got to register our car with the state. Yeah. They, you they, should you know, never have. We to should do never that. have to do that in right. the first place. And then his tags are expired, and then they pull him over, and then the situation escalates, and then they shoot him. Right. All in the name of because they were doing preventative justice, and the argument is, hey, we stopped this bad guy because we found him with this tail light. Broken and so just so with with Dante, with Dante Wright, he actually had a case right that was in court uh, where he allegedly and I say that allegedly right, right. robbed a girl at gunpoint for eight hundred some dollars uh-huh. and then he missed the court date concerning that. Well, the reason that he missed the court date, it was an online court date, was because it was sent to the wrong address and so they actually have it that it was sent to the wrong address okay. and, so, okay. and then the warrant was issued to arrest him yeah. because he didn't come to the court date because right. it was sent to the wrong address. Right. So there's a whole lot of things. I just want to say that with the situation with him robbing the girl. We don't know yet if he's guilty or not. He's still innocent right. of that crime. Exactly. Yeah, until so, guilty. regardless yeah. of what happened here, he should have never been pulled over. He should have, you know, the, um, and the, the part of it inside of the arrest was that he had an illegal weapon. Um, so he had this gun with no purchase on it. Right? It wasn't registered. Right. Illegal, illegal, according but, to our government. But, but, but again, but here but, we go again. But again, there's government regulations that are, that are, are making that illegal. Right. Right. And so, but here's what's bothering me at the end. Of this. So we got all those problems, which are bad laws that shouldn't be enforced anyway. Right. But the problem is, is that I'm afraid that if he, if this guy, uh, what's his name? Johnson. Johnson? Yeah. J- Jason Johnson. Jason Johnson. If he gets control of the reins on how we reform police. Right. That's bad. Right. right. But it's also bad. If somebody like Ligon Duncan, <laughs> what? Because, what? Because Ligon, and here's why I say that Ligon Duncan is a, he taught ethics at RTS, right. and yet he came out and said, you know, I missed this whole social justice thing. You know, I didn't see it. I had a blinder over my eyes for 20 years. I don't want a guy. <laughs> Who teaches ethics and then has blinders on his eyes. supposedly been blind for 20 years. And then all of a sudden now we want, and and it's not just him, it's also the guys who are pushing against the enemy. If guys who are pushing against the enemy don't, look, put forth your ethic. Stop preaching against the enemy. Let me see your ethic, right. how you're going to reform the police. Because right right now, the way. Let me see that ethic from the scriptures. Not made up. The way they're set up, they're no different than Johnson. 
Yeah. We get the same thing from these people who are saying, look, theonomy is bad. We get the same ethic, though, of police reform from these people right. as we do from Johnson. Right. They're and that no same different. ethic is arbitrary. They're social yes. justice woke right. just with a cloak. There's oh, no difference to them. Bars. Yeah, you know what I mean? Bars. So I don't yeah. want to hear about you preaching. I don't care. Yeah. Show right. me your ethic. Right. right. Yeah, Show me your biblical we're, ethic. We're in a position where, yeah, so I don't trust any of these wo- no. woke whatever. They, Absolutely. They, they, they have a different form of theonomy. And it's and what, right. And, and, and right. the thing is, is when he's running all those numbers and we need to uh, fix the police force, part of me just starts goes back and says, guys, it's not the police force. Right. It's That's sin. Right. Come on, it's you are in rebellion to the we, living we, God, yeah. Yeah. right? You right. you've been disobeying God. No wonder we have all these problems. But you right. can't mention that. I, you can't bring that up in the public square. I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah, yeah. You, can't, but, you can't say. But, you can't bring the solution to right, these guys right. and say, "Hey, guess what? We're all sinners. Yeah, you need Christ. Exactly. But, you, you need. Yep. But but here's the thing. But what they want is when you when you when you shove Christ away, when you shove God away and His Word away, then there's always something that takes the place of it's that. It's inescapable. It's inescapable. You always have another God. Yep. That's why I've said. Theonomy is inescapable. Right. These people are theonomists. They just have false gods. That's right. And but they they um, lament all these statistics. But what they want is, and this is what drives preventative justice: is they want to be God. Yeah. And so they're chasing everybody around. That's the, right. Nannying everybody. Preach, preach. Things get worse, and they say we need more of it. Yeah. Right. Um. The the thing that um, and I think you're absolutely right because the thing that I was I'm thinking about is, and just. Piggybacking on your point, yeah, is he wants to abolish this, and I don't trust anything he wants to put in his place. And yeah. see, yeah. On the other side, I look at their situation and say, "Yeah, there's problems." Yeah, but you know what? I, the the situation we have now is yeah. at least at least at the core of it, there was still sort of this Christian Found, common law um, tradition yeah. Yeah. of you know innocent until proven guilty, two or three witnesses. Yeah. And so on. It's it's eroding quickly. I mean, we quickly have you know mob justice overtaking <laughs> the it. The city manager in this case got fired because he was wanting the cop to go through due process. <laughs> because yeah. he's, because the of mayor, due process, the mayor fired him. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, was, the city manager yeah, wanted the cop to have a fair insane. due process. That's insane. Yep. And what makes it even worse is that it's coming. The people who were upset, majority of them with the black community, was upset about him saying that. And I want to say, if anybody should be screaming for due process. If anybody, anybody yeah. who thinks they don't get due process, it should right. be us. Right. No, give her due process. Uh, we right. want justice done. Right. Right. Yeah. You right. know. So, but this is what interesting. So, right now, people have been playing the Dante Wright clip, and everybody has been like, "Guys, this this is horrible." But then there's this other clip that yeah. has popped up in contrast to the Dante Wright clip. He said he's not going to shut off the car. So. <laughs> he's not going to shut off the car. I'm sorry. Just keep just keep an eye on it. Put your hands on the steering wheel. No. <laughs> what are you reaching oh, for? Reaching. Oh, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, hey get it? out of the car, man. You got a gun whoa, right there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Get out there's, of the car. Rights. there's rights to get this. Out. There are rights to this. Do you have a There are rights there. Whoa, get, get out. Hold up right there. It's open. My hands are up. My hands are up. No. No, you got to. This is on body cam. You have body cam, sir. Put your hands over your eyes. You have a body cam. Put your hands over your eyes. You have body cam, sir. Put your hands over you your eyes. Yeah, you're gonna I will send this dog on you. I will shoot you hey, if you do. Don't shoot. <laughs> hey, you, put, you, have right you have rights too. You have rights too. Don't you dare. You have rights. You can't don't shoot dare. You have rights. You have rights. You can't shoot me here. You know that. Right. You have no weapon. Hey, hey. Okay. Yes, I don't. do. And it's kind of don't. What I need you to do. Hey. You guys can grab me on. This is also a constitutional body cam. Body cam request. Can you quit yelling so I can talk? 
I need you to relax for me, okay? I will shoot you if it is possible. That is a threat, and so open that. You have no body cam. Wow. You know this? He has a My body hands are open. Throat. My hands are open. Okay. My hands are open. You need to get out of the car no, so we not. can remove you I from do that not. weapon. You cannot. No, it is constitutionally owned. I see that. Ooh. You have a concealed carry permit. It is not concealed. Yes, you can see the weapon. It's right there. Don't do it. Body cam. Body cam. What are you afraid of? Please step out of the car. That's all we're asking you to do. Oh, you're asking me to step out of Yes. Please yes. deal your weapons, please. No. This is how we treat each other civilly. This is how we act civilly. You know Sir. this. Right eye! Right Sir. eye! You got cover? No. Just, yes, we do. Don't. Just please. Do you have body count? Please. Do you have body count? Do, do not force the Do not! Don't! Don't, don't do, do it! Don't! You, know you know that. It's not please. A, I need you to get out of the car. House. Then house. Hey, I see double blue, sir. Are you going to shoot me on double blue? Just relax. No, just, just relax. Hey, just please get out of the car. This. Look there's at his legs. You know they're okay. right. To Listen, this. we can figure this out. We can, we can talk about this, okay? Oh, this right now, about this. We can't Listen. talk about it with you not listening to us. Just, We're not listening. Okay. You're our first of the drivers. All I'm asking sir. you to do. You're violating my rights right now. Let go of me. You just put your hand on a gun, sir. sir. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, you, you pulled a gun on me unconstitutionally. Please. Oh. And I did my in response. Oh. Please. Do this, man. Just okay. get out of the car. I'm just asking. We'll get this figured out. Just come out okay, and just you, get out of the car. You release me now. We can't do that. Release okay. it. I have Second Amendment rights. Okay. Just, just get out of the car. Come on. Come back here. Excuse we'll talk me. about it. Excuse me. This right here is a reason we'll to get myself castle doctrine. You know that. We'll get this oh. figured out. Don't. Don't. Don't do it. Please. Just come on. Get out of the car, sir. Just get out of the car. Get just step out. out. No. Just no, step out. out just step out of the car. Just don't! Don't do it! Get out of the car! You're on double blue. You know what's gonna happen, right? Just stop. You need to get out of the car. That's no, a lawful order. You're gonna go to what, jail. What, a gun? A gun fight? Oh, take me to jail? Then. Go ahead. I Just come on. you're obstructing. I can't. No, you're, you're obstructing. You're pointing a gun at me, sir? Right now my life's in threat. Okay. Well, we have. I don't see body cam on this, sir. I'm just gonna drive away. I'm not gonna bother anybody. There you go. Don't, don't do this. Nope. Don't do it. Don't. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is intense. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is intense. He the says, guy just drove away. He, yeah. He's a, I mean, he said blue on blue. Which means he's he, a, he, a cop. He, he's apparently. some kind of cop. Yeah. Or he claims to be. Or Elias was claiming to be. Man, the, I've, I mean, those cops, I mean, the cops. I, I actually, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The, the, the award goes to the police officers. And actually, yeah, yeah. if Dante Wright would have had a police officer like that, too, I think that he'd still he be alive. would still yeah. be alive. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. I, uh, I had never seen nothing like that before in my life. <laughs> no. And so, no. I, I, I want to say I respect the guy in the vehicle a lot. I know. I mean, he knew his law. I, I, yes. I, I think that he was, was foolish. He was responding logically. I think that was foolish and maybe a little crazy. Uh, to do something like that, I would never instruct my son or train him to do anything like that. But at the same time, I'm looking at that situation like he was right in every way. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's but, almost like I mean, what did I just watch? You're right. I know, you're right. <laughs> Can you but, do that? But they both. I mean, they were all like did well with training. I mean, whatever their training was, they they all kind of held it together. Though. But uh, there is something to be. I mean, okay, this well, is. But, a, they, they brought. They, I think this guy got pulled over for expired. I don't, I we don't know why I don't he know. got pulled over. I really want to know if he's still alive. Oh. I just want to know if the guy. <laughs> I want to know what happened too. Can we yeah. get him on the show? Yeah. I want to talk to him. Yeah, are you okay. out there? We gotta, we, yeah, if you're watching, but, email but, us. But, contact at fightlifefeast.com. Com, compare that though to the to the gal who accidentally pulls her taser. But that's what I'm trying to figure out. Or her gun. You? 
I mean, her, yeah, her pulls her guns thinking it's a taser or claiming it's a taser. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, at the very least, that's not good training. No. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean yeah, you right, can't, no. Like, when, when you're under stress. I mean, and you pull your gun she, from your dominant hip and not your taser, right. thinking it was your taser. And, and, Whoa. And this goes back to your point. If, if, if the, I, I didn't have seen the clip, but if the Ligon Duncans of the world are saying, I haven't thought about this issues of justice for 20 years. I've had as, a blind spot for 20 ethics. years. Then what kind of training did you have? Yeah. Oh, right. right. What kind That's of, right. what is criminal Ooh, justice? Bars. What, what are yeah. the principles that by which we judge things? Yeah. And if it's not God's word, if right. we are not going to just full on say, no, we're theonomists. We believe in God's law. It yeah. applies everywhere. No wonder you got a blind spot. Then, then. How how are you going to yeah. do anything better yeah. than than Jason Johnson on MSNBC? Ooh. Well, That's yeah, right. yeah. That's right. Now, because in your situation, we still get yeah. the rights of the world that have to deal with. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't good. know what to do with that clip, guys. I don't think in no way in the world I get away with that. <laughs> I, I know. I, no, I know that's the come. I know. I, I know. Like, right. I don't. And I, I wish. Which is why we need God's law. Uh, that's, we need that. Pastor Tom Maskell and Jared Longshore up next. Tom and Jerry. Um, oh! Talking about the Institute of Public Theology. I'm so excited we'll about see this. See if we can get them to say that they're theonomists. <laughs> oh, they have said that. I mean, they. Uh, 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 behind the scenes? Well, just, well we'll talk with, about with, that more. Without clearing their throats. More cross politics coming up next. No caveats. When a medical need arises, hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation care for one another by sharing financially for those medical needs. Samaritan members pray and reflect God's love and care by providing for one another. While times continue to change, God's love doesn't. He cares for us as we are called to care for one another. Gonna yell or something? Uh oh! No, no! I think it's your turn to yell, Knox. It's getting this is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pastor Askel's mad at me. Yeah, I, you, you kind of sounded a little more like that Democrat. What's his name? Yeah. Oh yeah, that one Kane guy. or whatever. I don't know who yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah you do. Yeah, yeah you during do. the no Democratic. Idea. Yeah, we used to be in on our on our promo. Yeah, uh, that's link. right. Yeah, that was great. Hey, welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight Life Feast Network. Thanks for joining us. We're so grateful to have with us the dudes from. Founders, Florida, from the sword and the, tr- the trowel, yep. um, Jared Longshore, Tom Askell. Tom has served as pastor of Grace Baptist Church since 1986. Uh, he went to Texas A&M University. Hee-haw. You have something to say yeah, about that? Yep, I you got a couple Aggie jokes. <laughs> I do, I do have that. It's, it's, it's whoop, Gabe. Hee-haw. <laughs> <laughs> MDiv and PhD degrees from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. I served as an adjunct professor of theology for various colleges and seminaries, including RTS, Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, African Christian University, and several others. He's also served as visiting professor at Nicole Institute for Baptist Studies at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. He serves as the president of Founders Ministries, Mm. has edited the Founders Journal, a quarterly theological publication of Founders Ministries. He's been a regular contributor to Table Talk uh, from Ligonier Ministries. He's the author of several books, including Dear Timothy, Letters on Pastoral Ministry, Recovering the Gospel and Reformation of Churches. He's also the author of From the Protestant Reformation to the Southern Baptist Convention, Traditional Theology and the SBC, and Strong and Courageous. He regularly preaches. You really had to stretch to make that argument, though. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) 
He and Donna have six kids along with three sons-in-law, daughter-in-law. They have 14 grandkids. Yes, they do. Tom, thanks for coming back on Cross Politic. Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. Jared is Tom's uh, sidekick uh, and uh, was born in Central Florida, grew up in a Christian home. He is uh, also uh, has received a degree from Florida Gulf Coast University and uh, MDiv and PhD from Southern Baptist Theological mm. Seminary. Mm. He served multiple churches in Florida and currently serves as the associate pastor at Grace Baptist Church there with uh, Pastor Askell. In addition to his pastoral role, he's spoken at multiple conferences on the topic of manhood and womanhood, multiple courses at the Founders Study Center, uh, including his current course on Christian maturity and Christian leadership. He's authored and edited and contributed to multiple books, including By What Standard, yeah, he did. Wisdom for Kings and Queens, and Strong and Courageous. He serves as a board member and vice president of Founders Ministries. And he and his wife, Heather, have seven kids. Glory. Dr. Longshore, thanks for joining us again. Happy to be with you guys. Now, when we got on this call, I noticed that um, Pastor Askell was super sober. Yeah. And I thought that maybe he had been spending 16, maybe 20 hours before the Lord in prayer just a few minutes ago. I think that was after he, he saw your tweet. But I think, <laughs> Pastor Askell, you, you got some smoke for me? You, you seem a little, you know, upset at me right now. I'm not upset. I, I just, it was a smooth knocks move to do the bait and switch. So well, what? I get this real sweet text <laughs> saying, hey, uh, will you be willing to come on across politic and talk about the new Institute of Public Theology, which launched yesterday? And I thought, well, that's that's nice. We'll do that. And then somebody starts sending me all these uh, tweets of you <laughs> saying, man, we're going to have Tom and Jared. And they're going to be talking about theonomy and police, <laughs> riots, and, and also this little institute they got going. And I thought, okay. Wait, I'm, so, right. I'm sorry. Is institute's not called the Institute of Public Theonomy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you misread that last word there. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's funny. You need to get your L's in your ends. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because I, I remember, I'm, I'm just a little perturbed because I, I noticed that last time you guys had a conference, which was a wonderful conference in January, it was really good. You guys did a, a, a joint podcast with Virgil and Daryl talking about government and the state. And y'all were talking about theonomy. And I was like, wow, I don't think anybody up there is a theonomist. But they're just having a whole lot of fun. And I wasn't invited to the party. <laughs> hey, so this you didn't say that. I got you. Uh, oh, okay. So I just thought we... didn't we, steal any ballots at that conference, though. No, I still have my voting ballot. So I'm ready for it. When y'all going to go to the conference, I'm ready. Whenever <laughs> you still got his voting ballot. No, I'm, I'm there for it. So I just thought we figured out how to talk about it. Now, I mean, you're talking about theology. Why don't you go ahead and open up while you're... Uh, while we're talking about this, what is the purpose of the Institute of Public Theology? Well, it, this is an institute that uh, was, has been born out of a lot of conviction and a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears of thought. Actually, over the last 25 years, I was recounting it to someone just recently, and, and the genesis of what we have just launched, you can trace back to about a year ago with things that the Lord set in motion, but there's a there's a prehistory to it that goes back 25 years ago when I read a little two-inch column in the Wall Street Journal that said that MIT was putting all their courses online for free. And back then what that meant was they were just going to uh, type up the lectures of their professors and make them available. So from that, Founders has tried to have a, a place online to be training folks. We've done the Founders Online Study Center for the last 20 years. But over the last year, it became increasingly evident that there is a great need to train pastors and serious-minded Christians mm. in public theology. That is to demonstrate, to help Christians remember and learn, if they, ever, if they didn't know, 
that Christ is Lord over all earthly powers Mm -hmm. and that his lordship doesn't stop where the government begins. It doesn't stop where public discourse begins, but Christ is Lord everywhere. And that as his ambassadors, we must be willing to stand for Christ anywhere and everywhere in the world that he has created. And as we looked around and we just uh, saw what God was doing and the way God seemed to be resourcing us and connections that he's given us over a lot of years, it just seemed prudent to make this move. So um, I called Bodie Balkum, who's been a dear friend for many, many years. He was in Zambia at the time. I I usually text him before I call him, see if he's available. And I just picked up the phone and called him, said, hey, here's what we want to do. Would you be willing to be a founding uh, faculty member? And I mean, he didn't say, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. He shouted, yes, absolutely. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Jared and I had already talked about it. We were in. And so I called Tom Nettles the next day and Tom said, yeah, you know, I I like this idea and I I can do this. And so uh, the four of us are the founding faculty of this institution. And our desire really is to show, to teach every course from a vantage point that demonstrates that Christ is above all earthly powers. So that's it. We want to resource people, primarily pastors, and those are going to be pastors, but but all serious Christians. I just had a conversation with a brother. I'm at a conference right now, and he said, you know, man, I've just, you know, I graduated from high school a long time ago, spent a lifetime in the military. So I've just come to understand the doctrines of grace late in life. And it's about, I, I really am interested in this institute. Would you accept a guy like me? I said, man, we're building it for guys like you. Mm-hmm. you know, this is what we want. We want serious-minded people willing to read, to write, to do hard work, to think critically, and to sit under men who not only have their theology straight, not only have strong conviction, but they have blood mixed with their convictions. Yeah. And that's the kind of guys that we have teaching. Pastor Tom, um, there's a lot of seminaries out there. I mean, obviously, you graduated from Southwestern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, you know, are, are they dropping the ball? I mean, are you guys, is this kind of a, um, a, a way of kind of shoring up the ranks where other play, other seminaries are dropping the ball? Well, we see something that needs to be done that we don't see being done. And so I'm not going to try to throw stones at any institution, any institution that does anything good. I praise God for Old Testament but, reference. Uh, we have a pretty, yeah, we have a pretty <laughs> clear vision of what the Lord has laid before us and, uh, and we're willing to do it. And we don't, we're not caring about credentials. We're not caring about accreditation. Mm-hmm. We're caring about trying to do the very best job we can to train those who are willing to learn to think biblically about the Lordship of Christ over every area of life. What is it that you're seeing in the public that we need to be able to use theology for? What are those things publicly that you don't see? You know, Gabe just talking about Southwestern, you know, whatever that is over there. What are you guys seeing that's not being hit publicly that we don't have a theology for? Just about everything, Knox. I mean, that's the problem is that we have. Yeah. Did you live through 2020? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Bars. <laughs> yeah. Use that little ham and B uh, board you got over there. Not. Yeah. So, Baptists do that? Yeah. Not only. Oh, yeah, we, we do that. Not only the um, what, what happened in 2020, but then the the failure in the response from the Christian community, particularly Christian leaders. And I think it's a mixture of things there. First is just having the courage and the backbone to say what needs to be said. Yeah. To actually be like the, the prophets of old who spoke the truth and had to deal with people that objected to them and that called them dividers of the brethren. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself, who suffered because of his righteousness and because of his devotion to God's purposes. So there's a lack of courage that has to be stirred up that's going to be right baked into the bread and butter of this institute that we have launched. 
but then competency, understanding that really Christ is king of kings, and he's not just king of the church, but he's king of all. When he rose from the dead, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that really means that here on earth, Jesus Christ has authority. So thinking biblically and thinking according to God's law about all of life. So it will deal with civil realities. It will deal with uh, issues of um, legal matters that come up. It's going to deal with, of course, the woke ideology that we see pressing itself into our educational institutions, the way people think about vocation, um, the way people think about aesthetics, all of these things we want to address. So there'll be courses on political theology. We'll have courses like that, emphasizing logic and rhetoric in places where we've seen that diminished in kind of a traditional uh, um, seminary education. So I think it's just really everywhere, the word can, of God being pressed into all of the corners. Can can each of you maybe take a turn and give me like one practical area in current events, public policy, government stuff, when you say God's word needs to be applied here and here's how it would apply. Can I push one area? Can I give you one? I want to ask about policing right now. That's a huge thing. As you take God's word and apply it to the situation we see right now with the shootings that's happened in Minnesota, the sh- Chauvin, the whole thing, it seems like policing is about to get a reform. And if we gave you guys the reins to say, how do you reform policing according to God's word, what's the ethic that you would lay out in policing? I mean, I, I would start with the role of government and the fact that God ordains government. And so there are obligations that every human uh, civil magistrate has to answer before God. They, they have to fulfill responsibilities before God, not to serve the way that Old Testament kings and judges did in that old covenant era, but to serve in righteousness according to the dictates that God has prescribed for those who are going to be uh, in leading in that sphere that he has ordained in civil authority. You know, policing in our day in America has become militarized, and I think that's a horrible thing. I mean, I, it, it, we've seen over the last 20 years the celebration of police departments with their SWAT teams and, and their uh, their fortresses that they now have access to with militarized vehicles and weapons. And I, I think that's a step in the wrong direction. And I think we're, we're seeing some of the fruit of that. So a police, a policing force of a civil government should not be the same thing as a military strike force. Where do you get that, that biblically? Government. Where do you get that biblically? Because you said, you know, not like old kings and testaments from the old covenant, but I'm trying to figure out where do you get that biblically as they shouldn't have a standing army. That against their own citizens is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, but, I think a nation needs to definitely have a, an army and needs to protect its borders and protect its interests. And, you know, I think that's, I think, uh, I, I'm just trying to put, find out the ethic, but like how do you do that? Where that's the, where the off, where we where, don't have a stand, where, where, we in get, the, where in the Bible do we get that? There's no stand that we shouldn't have a standing army. Well, I, I don't think I said that we shouldn't have a standing army. I said, we shouldn't militarize a police force against our own citizens. That well, there there needs to be enforcement of law yeah, within absolutely. our own borders. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to make a distinction between the militarization of the police and the military. I'm all for the military and having a strong military. And I think uh, there's just some uh, common sense and some general wisdom of uh, how the world works in its fallen state that whenever we are prepared and able to defend our borders and the, the interests of the civil government or of a national or nation state, which I again think is a, a biblical category, that that's appropriate to, to use military force there in a in a way that is different 
from what would be appropriate and using it in its own citizens to enforce the laws within the nation. Hey, Doc, can I, does that, am yeah, I getting at it? I think a little bit. I think it's better. Maybe if I could ask it, maybe I ask a better question. Do you think that like we were just talking in the first segment that police officers should be pulling over people for expired tax? Well, I mean, we could have that discussion. I, I think, no, I, I think our police force has been, um, been given, duties way beyond their capacity to to handle well and wisely so you know the individual things like that uh we can debate the wisdom of that given uh, on a lot of bases whether you know time energy resources uh what what is involved in uh expired tags whether or not a, a, a civil authority should even have uh business saying that so there's a whole lot of uh earlier conversation that we need to have before I can answer that with a straight up yes or no. Yeah. And I I guess I want to say, well, that's where's the crime at? There's no crime. Then it shouldn't be done. Right. Like the the, if Romans 13 punish wickedness, um, having expired tags isn't wicked. Therefore, (laughs) there's no there's no victim. Don't punish somebody who has expired tags, right? Uh, don't pull yeah, them Knox, over and underneath that. that. If I can jump in, underneath that is the understanding that you need to legislate uh, laws that are righteous and not laws that are unrighteous. So you've got mm-hmm. the case like up in Alberta with James Coates. Mm-hmm. Uh, what should the police do? Should the Canadian Mounted Police have entered into that sanctuary and began to observe whether James Coates and his church was in accordance with the chief medical health officer's mandate? And the answer is no. They should not have entered into that church. Mm -hmm. They should have objected and said, we're not going to enforce this law, although it is actually on the books. If you look at the Albertan magistrate or the Albertan legislature that established the law that gave Dina Henshaw the power to do, in her opinion, whatever she wanted to do to slow the spread. And you would say, well, actually, in our documents, this is this is right. And I think what what police officers are dealing with is what do I do in a situation where the legislature has established a law? that is actually on our books and my job is to enforce the law. Is there any higher standard? Is there any uh, ultimate authority? And if you look at uh, both of the 1689 confession, the Westminster confession speaks about obeying laws that are lawful, which immediately you have to say lawful according to what standard, right? That there is the eternal moral law of God. And that shakes all the way down to your policing because your police officers have to object even to commands that would come to them from their superiors if those commands are contrary to the ultimate standard. And that's certainly the case in Alberta. Those men should have said, we're not going to go in and observe regardless if it's on the books. And we know that's going to take courage because it's going to have implications for our families. But there actually is an ultimate standard, not just what is on the books of this particular society. So your police force is going to have to certainly operate according to laws that have been established. They are the enforcement arm of your executive branch. But as Romans 13 says, Um, These civil authorities are ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, if your legislative branch establishes something contrary to Christ, then I'm not going to enforce it. I mean, the county I grew up in central Florida, we're a little country down in central Florida. Those guys do that. They just did it recently. They said, you can put whatever you want to. We're not enforcing it when it came to COVID. They just told them. And then the legislature backed down and didn't establish the mandates. Right. Here's why I think this is this is so important from a public um, theology uh, standpoint is that you guys have, I mean, the congregation is full of people who are going out into the real world and having to sort through all these things, and the church isn't teaching them this. Right. You have cops, and you're probably, I, you might, I imagine you have cops here in church. Yeah. You know, you have, um, uh, you, you know, uh, mechanics, whatever, 
and they aren't being taught on how to sort through these issues and, and because the pastors aren't really equipped to. Right. And we've been for for decades we've been told, hey, you gotta, you know, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, and yet we've truncated what that gospel meant and not um applied it to you know as as a as Kuiper says to every you know every so, square inch. So I I wasn't down at the Founders Conference. I didn't see the conversation with Virgil and Yeah, and, it was and, actually and, really good. And, and I I mean we, we had Virgil you on the Bill? show with Virgil yeah, when yeah. you're down there and so and I, I don't know any background, so I don't mean anything by this and I know you guys are you know back and forth or anything, but so Pastor Tom would you, you call yourself a theonomist? No. Why? Because I think that word is loaded with all kind of bad connotation. And whenever, if you, if somebody asks me, are you a theonomist? My standard response is the way it used to be when people would ask me if I'm a Calvinist. What do you <laughs> yeah. mean by that? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And, right. Uh, and if they're talking about de facto, well, then, yeah, if they're talking about uh, general equity of civil laws in the Old Testament. Yes. But if they're talking about the stuff that, you know, we debated in the 70s and 80s uh, with Greg Bonson, largely, he was a great proponent of that. It's the Anomie and Ethics book uh, I read way back when. And uh, no, I, I think that's that puts ethics on a bad path. It puts it on a wrong path. It's going to wind up. Uh, doing a, a lot of bad stuff. Can you explain yeah, I, yeah. explain I, that for I, me? Because I honestly don't know what what are some of the things you debated with Bonson in those days. Yeah, well, uh, that yeah. you would point to. I'm too young to know about that. <laughs> That's I why they write history books, Knox. So you can read that stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was too busy reading my Bible. <laughs> oh, <but I'm, laughs> well, then you shouldn't have a problem. <laughs> That's why I'm a theonomist. <laughs> don't stop at the old testament keep reading the new brother uh, no, but here's the deal i mean the old testament economy that old covenant was given to israel for specific reasons and though everything required of old testament israel was right it wasn't there's nothing that god required of them that was unrighteous or immoral not everything he required of them did he require of every nation and so there's a distinction there and if you're not careful in how you understand the division of Old Testament law. And, you know, at least from the Middle Ages, it's been handed down. And I, I think it's a helpful distinction to make between ceremonial, civil, and moral. If you don't have some kind of distinction along those lines, then you're going to be fouled up. You're either going to, to fall into the pathway of, of those that went the route of uh, Bonson's type of theonomy, or you're going to go the route of dispensationalism because you're going to chop it up so much. And so, I, I think that, that I don't know what so, Bonson's theonomy well, yeah, was. Yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, so, I, I read by what standard and thought it was wonderful. But um, if so, I I accept the distinction between ceremonial, judicial, moral. Yeah. I think that's a helpful distinction. Um, help me out though. So in Deuteronomy, though, it does say. Um, the nations are going to see these laws and think what you know how wise and just a people you are, and they will imitate you. So even though God didn't give enforce the law on them, there's still an intimation in Deuteronomy that the nations are supposed to learn from Israel um, their laws. I mean that, that's what it says. So they you know if, if they were you know if, if Nineveh repents, presumably Nineveh's going to ask you know if jo- once Jonah got over his bad attitude, what's next? Um, what, what what do we do now? And, and wouldn't Jonah have taught them the, the Torah? Well, I don't know that uh, that they would have been taught to, well, well, they would have been taught to become Jews. I mean, they would have been taught to proselytize and come in to the, the Jewish uh, nation faith, as did happen with proselytes in the Old Testament. But when you get to the New Testament, you, you, here's my point. You don't have anywhere that I know of in the New Testament any of the apostles arguing that Rome ought to keep 
all of the civil uh, case laws that were given to Israel. You know, we don't we don't see that. Now, does that mean Rome and Roman officials were free just to be unrighteous? Not at all. And this is where natural law comes in. And I think we have to, to really press that hard. And, and I believe that's what's behind the general equity point in our confessions that talk about the, the civil law is finished. It's abolished, except in those areas where general equity in them can be seen and applied. And so we do that, but that can be applied in, in different ways. So can you give an uh, example? No- can you give an example of sort of like here's um, here's a judicial law. And here's the general equity. What does that look like? Um, <clears throat> yes. Well, I mean, just you know, laws against homosexuality, uh, for example. Right. And, you know, there was death penalty for that in the Old Testament. I don't think that that requires nation states today to put people to death who practice homosexuality. But I think it is right. It's it's appropriate for nation states to say this is what promotes right and good living in our borders, so, and we're going to outlaw this. We're going to not let it be something that you just ought to be uh, free to go about and uh, certainly to parade about. So, Doc, just just um, would you consider then homosexuality a crime or just a sin? Uh, it is it is a crime against nature with no penalty. Well, I mean, I, there could be penalties attached to it. I don't think you have to to execute them. That's my point. I don't think no, no, no. I don't right, think right. a nation would yeah. would be unjust if they didn't execute. That. Well, and of course, this nation had laws. Right, right. We yeah. did uh, absolutely yeah. up until a few decades ago. I mean, I know um, my understanding has always been that. So, in some of the later kings, I think it was Josiah, maybe Hezekiah as well, some of the righteous kings. It says that they exiled the Sodomites. Uh, in the land, there, 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 there had been, you know, it had become the, um, pretty rampant in the all the idolatry. They were exiled. Putting that together with the death penalty attached to it in the Old Testament in in the law, I've always taken it to mean that um, the death penalty was n- was never mandatory for homosexuality. Maximum. It penalty. was it was a maximum penalty. Yeah. So maybe you know a, a a serial you know homosexual rapist or something like that would you know you say there we go a it, priest. And, but a it would also it would also <laughs> depend. I look at that yeah. in the same way though, and you guys jump in here anywhere. Uh, in the same way with abortion, right? Right now we're in a horrible situation where we're killing millions and millions of babies. Yeah. And mm-hmm. these it's not it's not just the doctors. Mothers are bringing their children to doctors to kill them, and so they're guilty of blood as well right. on their hands. And so does the, someone who comes and brings their child to be killed should they get the death penalty? Well, of course. We're not at that place yet, and there's a progression to righteousness and sanctification that we do need to bring forth the law, set it up, and it doesn't happen just overnight, so it's not like tomorrow we start killing everybody. Right. No, but there is a point, like you were talking about, there's an exile, right? There's, but then the law is set in place at that point, and then we work our way towards more righteous society. Yeah. Is that, would, you, would you think that same way too, Doc? Yeah. I mean, I, abortion is murder. Yeah. And we have laws on the books against murder. And all of those who are complicit in that, you know, they're, they're different levels of right. responsibility. Right. But, yeah, I, any, we can't let the argument be shifted away. And I think that's what's happened largely just by virtue of it being so but commonplace. See, that seems, that seems but, so very theonomical to me that in the same way, because that's the same way we're doing it. Every time that I look at a law, I want to work through, well, what are the case laws that operate as because if we're going to talk about justice and righteousness, we don't know what just punishment is if we're not using God's standard in order to say, oh, we don't kill people who are thieves. Right. Well, based on what standard? Well, well, God 
says not to kill a thief <laughs> unless he comes in your house at night. Right. You know what we need to do with this with the we definitely need the conversation on theonomy. I think that there are people that are working through it. And as Tom said, it is important to say right away, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the that there is an eternal moral law of God that rules over all uh, to which we should pay attention when it comes to our civil dealings? Well, how we're going to establish laws and then how we're going to punish criminals. And the answer to that is yes. I just think all Christians everywhere are going to say yes and amen to that. Yeah. Now, if that's what you mean by theonomy, uh, great. Uh, but if you do mean that I'm going to, in one way or another, deny the um, judicial laws of Israel being abrogated with that institution, I'm going to deny that. So I'm looking back to those civil laws as if they are still binding. Um, as if they are still binding upon our own civil society in the same way they were binding upon that society. That's where I don't want the kings to go. I want to talk to. I want to. I want to speak to them in a Psalm two fashion. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. You need to be educated and discipled so that you can fulfill your function in society well. But what you are not to do is go back there and look at those and say, well, look, straight up, straight down, this is how it worked in the civil code in Israel. And therefore, it should be directly applied in the same fashion now. So so, what you actually have to do, let me get this in there. What you have to do is you have to know why they were abrogated and you have to start to think about uh, how those penalties were functioning. That's what I want to do, Jared. The way they were. I want to do that. So then do you want to cut off a thief's hand? Do I want to cut off a thief's hand? Right. Um, I want to see the criminal penalized appropriately with restitution being involved in that. And I want to acknowledge that the criminal is not uh, executed in the Old Testament, and therefore there's wisdom there about how the judges should be thinking. How much restitution should that criminal pay back? Well, you can look to the standards that are there in the Old Testament and use them as guides to how you would have your restitution operate in a modern state so if i made a, if i made this is what this is what we're getting i think a little bit too like with the, we saw this in 2020 with the whole shutdowns the the government said you can have 20 percent in your churches well he gave you a guide of how much you can actually have at worship how do you know that 20 percent in your church is wrong that the state was telling the church that's yeah what they can have happen? you can be a 20 percent capacity Yeah, I would track with many on the issues of COVID and the different um, regulations that the state handed down and saying that if the if the state showed up and said, uh, hey, your building is on fire and you all have to shut down uh, your service right now, then I think there is a legitimate play that the state has in such a situation. But if they keep telling us, you know, you can't gather because the Japanese are going to be bombing us and then the Japanese don't bomb us and they continue to come in and say you have to get out of here because the Japanese are going to bomb you again. Well, then you say no. So when they said what they were advocating for, according to natural revelation, what we've seen is true about this virus. We know that it's not the black plague. And we know that it is an overreach of that state that they are not actually protecting their citizens by speaking to the, the church as an institution. Included in that is the theology of the church and knowing that the church is not a Walmart. So a lot of what's happening in general, <laughs> Amen. No, seriously, yeah. what, Amen. what's happening people have, people, Christians have backed down because of general applicability. They'll say, oh, well, the state's treating everybody the same way. They're treating you Christians just the same way they are yeah. the Walmart and the 
Costco. And what I've had to tell elders again and again and again is you're abdicating your role as the shepherd of the flock because you're not understanding that you are actually a leader in a particular sphere uh, over which the civil authority is not over top of you. They are next to you. There's another sphere. And yet there is some overlap, but you don't get to claim general applicability. You have an extremely high bar to meet if you're going to direct the elders of a church not to assemble their congregation. So help me out with this. I'll push back again uh, where Knox was kind of pushing on a little bit, either one of you. But So I, I can understand wherever there was sort of like uh, some kind of death penalty connected to something that's clearly um, ceremonial in the Old Covenant. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe, you know, death penalty for, uh, I don't know, p- picking up sticks on the Sabbath or something like this. Um, but, there, you know, and I pull ahead in the New Testament and I see that Jesus clearly is the fulfillment of the ceremonial law. He's clearly the fulfillment of the, sac- of the sacrifices. But when you have a death penalty for a crime, um, like um, adultery, yeah. for example, and again, I don't take that as meaning, I, I take that as maximum penalty, right. not, not, not mandatory. Yeah. Uh, Genesis um, 9 says that uh, there's a death penalty is mandatory only for first degree murder, premeditated murder. Yeah. All the rest of them are maximum penalties. But to say um, that an adulterer who was put to death under the criminal justice system of the Old Testament, it, the question is, is was that was that just? And if it was just course, yeah. and if it was just in the character of God, um, then how can that possibly change it now? How could it possibly change to say it would never be just to put to put an adulterer uh, to death as a maximum penalty now if it was the case then? Because God doesn't change. His character doesn't change. Yeah. I'll well, speak the, the way you phrase the question, though, loads it a little bit that I don't think is, is helpful. Uh, it's not. If it was done then and it was just, how could we say that if it's done now, it couldn't be just? The question is, should it or must it be done now? And there are all kinds of positive laws. And this is one of the concerns I have with the old school theonomies. It doesn't seem to have a place for positive law that was completely appropriate for God to give to Israel that he has not given to Rome or to Greece or to France because he was doing something specific in the history of redemption through the nation of Israel that he's not doing any longer. And so those those positive laws have to be recognized uh, for that and, and everything, really, that we have beyond the moral law, but ceremonial and civil uh, civic law needs to be seen in the in the way that God was preparing the world through Israel for the coming of the Messiah. So with that, you know, was it unjust? for God to uh, require people to be put to death for certain sins, crimes in the Old Testament? Of course not. Well, would it be absolutely unjust to be to do that again today? Well, not necessarily. But is it required? Well, no, not necessarily either. It, it, it's general equity. And this is where it requires a great deal more thought. And there's going to be some disagreement and there's room for debate. And I welcome the debate. But uh, to, to not say if you're not doing it exactly the way old covenant israel did it well then somehow you're not living up to the just requirements of the god who rules over all things and tells us to be righteous we, we gotta yeah. we gotta I, wrap I, I know, this up I, I, you know I, just one more let, let jared on. have the last word this is such an important part of this conversation yeah i is. think uh, it is uh, you know i think what what toby has said and what tom has said is important 
um, that yes, it was just for it to be done then. And if it were to be done now, I am convinced that it, I would not say that it's unjust to do that because of the character of God. And because when we say general equity, we're talking about uh, the eternal moral law of God. Right. But Toby, to, your, to what you were saying, um, you mentioned ceremonial and civil. I think what's really important in this conversation is to know that both the ceremonial and the civil, according to both of our confessions, has been abrogated. So even the civil dimensions have been abrogated. And then you have to go back and look back at, at those um, those laws and those civil penalties and consider the general equity that is being applied in that particular institution and then bring it over. So, yes, if you're if you end up saying, you well, guys are the animists. If you end up saying it's unjust, we, we now, just we just capital our general equity. We capitalize, and you guys don't capitalize yet. <laughs> you, know, you know, can I just say that? I, know, we, we, I, got, we have, I want one last question. Okay? No, 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 no. Because no, no, no. we need gotta, to wrap we it up. End, but here, I want to say this. But real, I get the last question All right. quickly. Go. All right, but after no, go, go. No, no, I'm wrapping up. Go. Well, my question is a good wrap up question. <laughs> Listen, I want to say. All right, if you guys don't go, I'm gonna ask here's another the question. Deal. Pastor Tom, Pastor Jerry, I got to say this. I love you guys so dearly because I am so excited about what you guys are doing with the Institute of Public Theology. Yeah, love it. Right now, we are going to have reformation in our civic realm, regardless if we like it or not. And if you haven't seen from the social justice movement, it's coming. And what scares me is most of the people that are out there, and this is a praise to you guys, most of the people who are out there who are fighting against the social justice movement don't have a biblical ethic. I will say 95% of them don't. And watching you guys work through this and work your way through this to apply God's standard to the civil magistrate, to the home and to the state and separate those spheres has been a massive encouragement because I think, I think Baptists are in the position right now to be really in control of how our civil government looks over the next hundred years. Right now, where you guys are at and what you're doing, Baptist yeah. pastors, the, the Southern Baptist Convention is going to have such a massive impact on American law that not to have what you guys are doing is Institute of Public Theology is going to be dra- drastically a disaster if we don't have people thinking like this. Mm. So where can people go to sign up and, and join this? The, is it a seminary, the uh, institute? What, what, what do people do? Instituteofpublictheology.org, or they can go to founders.org, and there are links there. But uh, as of yesterday, we're accepting applications. Uh, It's a serious application process, and we want folks who are churchmen. That is, they have to be grounded in a church where they're Mm. known and they know uh, folks there. They have to be willing to read significantly. They have to be willing to write. We don't care if you've been to junior high school or high school or you got a Ph.D. Uh, None of those things are uh, considered in the process. But we're only going to take those who are serious and willing to do the hard work that we think is required to uh, address these issues in ways that will be productive in the generations to come. And if people are interested in hearing more about um, really our theology of what it means to teach kings, Tom and I wrote a book called Strong and Courageous, Following Jesus Amid the Rise of America's New Religion. In that book, we have a chapter on teach kings. And in that book, we have a chapter on how to be a citizen king. So you'll get a lot of more information about how we're thinking about the law and its application to society. You don't really got to answer this question, but, um, uh, um, you know, we were talking about the Old Testament. And and I just want to know, you know, Where's a where's a good Bible verse on you know children were in the old covenant and were allowed oh, in the old go. covenant, but where in the New Testament <laughs> are children no longer allowed in the covenant? Hey, if you're married, go. If you're not married, get married. If you're married, have children. If you have children, disciple them, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
and then baptize them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Jesus, Jesus said it the other way around. Uh, baptize just, them we baptize disciples, actually. If you're a disciple, we baptize you. Hey, thank you guys so much. Hey, I hey. wouldn't want to be flanked by anybody hey, else, man. Hey, thanks, yep. for, thanks for putting up with us, Tom, yep. Jared. Love you guys. God bless. You guys. Thank you. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. Well, Lord Bruss, Tom and Jerry. I hope I still have friends. <laughs> I, I was just uh, bringing up our uh, our app. You guys have our app, the Fight Laugh Feast app. Just go oh, to your no. favorite app store. I'm just I'm just clicking through, looking at, and yep. there's this new show, Gabe. It's called The Comedian Next Door. Yep. Next door. Next door. There's nothing in it. Yep. No, there's not. The what? Comedian there's gonna be next door. There's be dropping Monday. What? Yep. The comedian next door, uh, so John, tomorrow. and his daughter Amanda are hey, doing a podcast. There's for us. John right yeah. now. Yeah, he's here, guys. He might not be here for long though. <laughs> <laughs> John Branion stepped onto a tiny stage in the early '90s. He thought his interest in comedy was just a phase. He thought he would get the whole thing out of his system. But more than 25 <laughs> years later, he still loves making people laugh with a style of speaking that won't leave a filthy residue. Good. People didn't invent laughter. It was given to us by someone who knew we enjoy it it's a mm. gift hey, that's, praise god that's good. come he on ne- now he never gets tired of sharing that gift with others every show my goal is to hurt people well wow seriously <laughs> i want people's jaws to ache oh, i want their sides to cramp up i want them to experience dizziness from oxygen deprivation when they are in pain, are you on someone's neck i've done my <laughs> i've done my job when he isn't speaking or teaching he's playing board games with his family and as I just mentioned, joining our Fight Laugh Feast network, the comedian that. next door with mm-hmm. co-host daughter Amanda McKinney, and John will be doing stand-up at a rally in South Dakota. South Dakota at, at the Sabbath dinner. Oh. John, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. I am super excited to be here. I've been stalking you guys for a couple of years. Oh wow! <laughs> so, John, are you a theonomist? A theonomist? Is that a guy who does eye examinations? <laughs> Just nod, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, no. um, what, you, you said, um, as we were getting on the show, you, you said that you're driving to South Dakota. Why are you driving? I'm driving to South Dakota because I'm, I don't like the Orwellian airline experience. Um, last, time, last time I got on an airplane... Which, uh, which, by the way, 2020, we had a little thing here in Indiana where I live called COVID. I don't know if you guys heard of it. No, yeah. never spelled, heard of her. Spell, spell that for us. It shut down, <laughs> it shut down uh, uh, my entire schedule. My whole calendar disappeared. And wow. so I, I did wow. like four shows in totality last year, four, four live shows. Wow. So it's going to be a spectacular show when I get out to South Dakota. I don't even remember which end of a microphone to point at my face. So. <laughs> you have to brush off the dust and get out there. I don't understand how a comedian like um, becomes a comedian in the first place. Like what, what's wrong with you? 
That is precisely the right question. <laughs> what is what is wrong with you? I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, it was never a dream of mine. I just went on stage uh, as, sort of as a hobby because I was watching television one night. I looked at the guy who was who was on stage and I said to my wife, I'm as funny as that guy. And she said, I think you are. And, <laughs> oh, what a good wife. Uh, so, I, you know, so I went down to... Uh, to just do an open mic and I thought I would be done with it. And, and then here I am 30 years later, still, still getting phone calls to, to get on airplanes or get in a car as it may right. be. How many shows, how many shows do you have, were you usually doing before the 2020 apocalypse? Between 60 and 75. Wow. Wow. Okay. And, and so do you make a living doing this? Yeah. Or you have? I did. I you did, did make a living doing you it. You did. No. <laughs> are, are you an are you an essential service? <laughs> Apparently not. Um, <laughs> Apparently, humor humor and levity is not something that people need to survive. So, wow. I, I, I just got to ask you right now. As you speaking of twenty twenty, as you look back at this, one of the things that uh, comedians have helped me see things really clear. Just growing up, comedians have always been the ones to see things clearer than everybody else. And until they started getting canceled, they would say things that no one else could actually say. That's right. And so as you look over 2020 this last year, what's the clarity that you have on this? And kind of where, where's the funny in it, you know, as you look at it? Well, the funny, uh, the, the thing about funny is that it is inseparable from pain and suffering. And I think that's by design mm. in order for something to be funny something first has to hurt mm. and so um, knowing that that's the reason that god gave us a sense of humor it's the reason god created comedy is because he knew that there were going to be a number of things that were terrible about living and that we were going to have to have some way of coping with them dealing with them and so that's why that's why we have a sense of humor so john and but was there a yeah. sense of humor before the fall before um, there was pain and suffering? Was there pain? I can't imagine that there was. I don't even know if there were belly buttons before the... <laughs> but there was going to be. There was going to be. I mean, I appreciate the point. I, 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 this has gotta, I mean, there's going to be humor in heaven, and all the tears are going to be wiped away, but we're still going to laugh in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. But the, but the, uh, the juxtaposition and, and what we laugh about sure. is, is going to be... Um, it's going to be the same thing because just because just because something is uh, uncomfortable or just because something is painful doesn't mean that it is um, something that you can't uh, survive or something that you need to be ashamed of or something that you need to be um, somber mm-hmm. about. And yeah. so I've got a, I have a, I wrote a whole book about this. It's funny that you guys would bring that. Oh, yeah. Bring, bring it. Bring it. Book about that. Here yeah. it is. Life is hardy, hard, hard. And, <laughs> I like that. It's a good yeah. title. You know, the base, the, premise, the whole premise of the book is that um, bad things are going to happen and you are either going to you're going to cry about them or you're going to laugh about them. And it is far better to laugh about them, better for you and better for everybody around you. And so I'm, I teach the principles of how comedy works in the book so that people can better uh, adjust to the tribulation that's going to come our way. You know, and I guess I would add wait, wait, to wait, that. I want to, I want to finish on 2020. Okay. Like where's the, okay. what's his, what's the clarity you have for us from 2020 as a comedian? The, uh, the clarity for, okay. What I think is funny about 2020 
is the, the in 2020, we acted uh, as a as a world, basically the entire planet um, acted as if we had never heard of germs and microbes before. Yeah. Like COVID came out. And I, I have said this before on stage. I would ask people, you guys remember 2019? Remember that year? I mean, this was a long time ago, but 2019, back when if we felt a cough coming on, we would just turn to our neighbor and say, open your mouth, and we would just cough right in their face because we had no idea. We just had no idea that germs were spread by sneezes and coughs. Wow. And, um, but but if, you, if you take the perspective that we, that we basically forgot about 150 years of scientific discovery in 2020 and acted like we had no idea how we were going to survive um, a virus. Oof. There's, uh, you know, I think there's there's humor in that. <laughs> Just a little bit. So, John, you're not only are you a comedian, but you're a Christian comedian. So even even non-Christian comedians right now are getting canceled. Right, yeah. You know? And now, now John, yeah. you're kind of in this context of like, you're white. Yeah. And you're Christian. Wait, yeah. he's white? And you're a comedian. I don't see color. I mean, I, I think you didn't get booked <laughs> last year because of cancel culture, not because of COVID. <laughs> um, well, the uh, there's there's humor in that too. Uh, if you if, if you watch the culture as you guys do, um, Hank Azaria, the guy who voiced Apu for the yeah, season, yeah. Yes. just recently came out and apologized for for voicing that character. Cultural appropriation, um, vo- voicing cultural appropriation, something like that. Did he say I'm right. sorry? <laughs> I'm very sorry. Right. And so um, my my stance on that is that if people are going to come out and they're going to apologize, that uh, Dr. Seuss Foundation has apologized yep. for his books because right. they're uh, they're inappropriate. People are lining up to apologize for all of their various racisms and misogyny and uh, and oppressive things. I think that we as Christians should let them do that. I don't think we should get in their way. If somebody if somebody says they're a racist, we should believe them. Right. And so if, if Hank Azaria is telling me that what he did was inappropriate and, and racist, then, I, then he should apologize. And I, I say we stay out of their way and let them cancel each other. And when the smoke clears, um, we can laugh at them. I, I knew, I knew when we were, uh, when John um, agreed to come on our network. I mean, he literally, right. he agreed to it. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Uh, that's, that's pretty crazy. He yeah. must have a good sense of humor. I knew he's a comedian with some sort oh, of... things have gone really, really bad. I was like, this comedian's got some balls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it was a... I, I've never actually been able to say that in front of a church crowd before. Um, and it occurred to me as I was getting ready to come on here uh, this afternoon that I think I'm the first guest that you have had who doesn't have a criminal record, aren't I? What? I mean, I'm like the I'm the first non-convict. I don't I don't know. We'd have to. I, I have yeah. to ask Pastor Tom Askell what his. Yeah, well, his <laughs> I, I, did you see John Cleese's tweet this week? Not wishing to be left behind by Hank Azaria, I would like to apologize on behalf of Monty Python for all the many sketches right. we did making fun of white English people. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so this is so. Do he's you kidding? He's kidding. So I'm wondering. Do you think the way this is going, that comedy's going to die? Is there a way out of this? Um, it, it's good. It's already dead for wow. those people who don't understand how it works. It's already, it's already dead for people who don't have, um, 
who are far from God. The further you get from God, the harder it is to laugh Ooh. because because humor and and laughter belongs to God. And Amen. so you can't walk away from God and take comedy with you. Mm-hmm. It stays it stays it's with God, God. and That's it belongs good. to his children. And so the people who have been the most um the most aggressive towards me over the years have have been people a lot of them have been in the church i mean mm. the, some of my most vicious critics are um identify as as members of the church and what's that's always puzzled me because a person who is uh, who understands um their their place who understands what christ did um he basically takes all of that, all of that away. All of the bad stuff gets taken away. I'm not responsible for all of the. I'm not responsible for my sin anymore. That is, that's gone. And now that I'm not underneath the the weight of uh, of my sin, almost everything is funny to me now. I just, I just can't take any of the stuff that people get worked up about yeah. seriously because it's it's all a joke. How do you? Are you going to say? I, didn't want to jump I was in. going. To, I was going to ask. Um, elaborate some. Why is it? I, I, I get it in principle. The idea that if uh, you know that that humor belongs to God, and I and I appreciate that. And and the further you get away from God, you know, He doesn't let you take the humor with you. Um, mm-hmm. Practically, how does that work? Why is it that you have to know God? I mean, you just mentioned the atonement and forgiveness. Obviously, that's a you know the burden is lifted. You can you can see the the, the lighter side of life and so on. But why do you have to have God um, in order to have humor? Um, well, I believe, and th- this will get you into trouble when you talk on atheist uh-huh. blogs. Um, I believe that without God, it's not even possible to think. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that rationality goes with somebody when they walk away from God mm-hmm. either. Yes, and you can listen when you listen to the way people who identify as as atheists or humanists or non non religious, uh, which is a hilarious term too. Um, <laughs> people who identify as as not believing in God. Um, they say the craziest things they, they start to, they, and you're, we're starting to see that now they're, they're coming out of the woodwork. They're not even in hiding anymore. No, they not. are, they are very public declaring that children should be able to declare their genders at, at ages before they're potty trained. Um, yeah. That, yeah. that there's no difference between men and women that, uh, that homosexual relationships are the same as heterosexual relationships. I mean, this is the, this is crazy talk. Um, yeah. from people who, if you were to you point out the absurdity of what they're saying and is their response to, to kind of laugh and, and say, Oh yeah, you're right. I guess I went a little too far. Or is their response to double down on it and uh, try to cancel you and shriek and holler. Right. Um, you, you can, you can tell by the fruit, you can tell what kind of a tree you're dealing with by the fruit. Right. So John, help me with something. Cause I think when we have, uh, you know, our, our moniker here is fight, laugh, feast, you know, and I think people look at that and like, what in the world? Fight, laugh, feast. What is laugh in there for? We get fighting and we get feasting. But how is laugh a weapon or comedy a weapon at all in the in the process of engaging culture? Mm-hmm. Um, well, comedy exposes folly. Comedy exposes foolishness. It exposes untruth. And one of the things that is going to happen when uh, – 
when you start to be funny, when you start to have a sense of humor about things and you're public in your sense of humor, is that it's going, you're going to trigger people and they're going to say, particularly a lot of Christian, our Christian brothers and sisters are going to say, well, that's inappropriate because you have upset that person. Mm. You have, you have made that person feel embarrassed by, by pointing out the absurdity in what they just professed. Um, but that's the whole point of humor is that it is a much more palatable and enjoyable way to have your foolishness exposed. If you can, if somebody can point out a stupid thing that I have said or done and, and we can laugh about it, that's way um, less painful than, than struggling under humiliation and shame that comes from trying to justify um your your wrongness from trying to coming yeah. to try to justify sin is what makes people feel ashamed. It's what makes people feel guilty. Mm-hmm. And all of that goes away when you just acknowledge, yeah, I'm I'm fallen, I make mistakes, and uh I'm a bonehead sometimes. Let me tell you about the last bonehead thing I did, and then everybody can laugh about it, and it becomes a virtue. Yeah. Um but when you know that somebody is going to laugh at you, it makes you careful. And that's that's a good thing. The fear of embarrassment is absolutely um, a good thing because it it makes us thoughtful rather than just flying off the handle or or going off half cocked. We stop and go, wait a second. I'm about to open my mouth in front of somebody with a razor sharp sense of humor. And if I say anything that is that is mockable, I'm going to get mocked for it. So. Proceed with caution. Mm, that's really good. Humor always. I've always thought the humor, uh, uh, and I think this is what you're getting at. It, it assumes actually a really solid world. It, it assumes truth. Like the, mm. it, rel- yeah. relativism is the great enemy of humor, right. because if things hold still and they're solid, then you can. Then that's it's there. It's those weird contrasts. It's it's you know something being in the wrong place or upside down because it's so real. It that's when you see, oh, that's not where it goes. Yeah. It's upside down, it's backwards. That's what's that's funny. funny. That's yeah. what's funny. I was walking around my my new house. I'm about to move into a house this weekend and uh and walking around the other morning uh just looking at it. It's like six AM kind of kind of praying, you know, just kind of getting my day started. And uh, and all of a sudden, I I just sort of look down. And I think and I'm up in my kid's bedroom, my new this brand new bedroom. We put just to put carpet down and stuff. And I see something out of the corner of my eye. And I go flip a light on, and there's this big pile of dog poop <laughs> on your new carpet, <laughs> brand new house, and new I, carpet. <laughs> and I just and I you know I'm, I'm gonna keep identities hidden for. But it was hilarious. Like I just start oh, wow. I just start bust up laughing. I start cleaning it up and everything. And just like. Like, what's this doing here? This is funny. This is yeah, hilarious. God, God's reminding you, this is a house to be used. This is a house to be used. And, you know, don't take it too seriously. You yeah, know, yeah, God's yeah. still working on me with that one. <laughs> hey, who put the poo here? Who put the poo on the floor? Uh, and you notice I'm the one that brought up the poop this time. Usually you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So no, I was actually waiting to do that, but I didn't do it. Hey, John, before we go, there are a lot of people who are still not wanting to come to the conference uh, yet because they don't have a good enough reason. I'm going to give you the last word for the for the rally in South Dakota. Why should people come out to the rally in South Dakota? People should come to the rally in South Dakota because there is uh, there are fewer and fewer places on planet Earth, specifically in America, where 
people with a solid theology um, who who genuinely are seeking God congregate. Um, mm. There is a vast majority of the people who are trying to decide whether or not they should come to South Dakota uh, are going to go on Sunday to a church that uh, is chock full of bad theology and feminism and liberalism, uh, and they don't even know it. And so mm. they they need to set aside the time to come and and bond in a in real Christian fellowship. Uh, with fellow believers. Wow. Thank you. Uh, Comedian Next Door drops next week on our app. It does. On next week, their first episode on our app, Monday. 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 And by the way, Amanda is hilarious. Oh, that's yeah, it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Your daughter is great. They do their podcast together. She yeah. is great. You guys are going to love their show. John, thank you for joining us, brother. Appreciate you. Can't wait to see you in South Dakota, man. Yeah. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight. Laugh and feast. This is Cross Politics. We did not design a cookie cutter curriculum meant to chop students into appropriately shaped submissives or snowflakes for the secular zeitgeist. We designed our curriculum the way we did because we want our graduates to be equipped to stand courageously against that destructive zeitgeist and to honor their maker and how they, body, mind, and soul, battle to save their communities and the entire Western world from our current diseased insanity. New St. Andrews College is not in the business of rubber stamping graduates for this particular job market or that particular career. We aren't happy unless our graduates are equipped to tackle any constructive cultural task anywhere, from courtrooms to hospitals to job sites to movie sets to the highest risk job and the most important setting of all the raising and training of the next generation of immortal souls around dining room tables and in pews. The world may have gone mad, but it's not the first time. It has been saved before and by particular people, many of whom shared a very particular type of education. Augustine, Calvin, Jefferson, Churchill, and many lesser-known heroes in times of madness all had one type of education, one type of training in common. And... It's the same kind of rigorous education we currently pursue surrounded by the rolling wheat fields of Idaho. By God's grace, our civilization will be saved or rebuilt from the smoking ruins. The men and women capable of such a task, capable of fearless joy and fiery laughter, all while undertaking such hard cultural labor, those are the kind of graduates we want, the kind we expect. They are why we exist and why we teach what we teach so you might call it a major in world building or culture shaping or a major in saving civilization we call it classical christian liberal arts new saint andrews college saving civilization since 1994